Well, today our scripture is, uh, or the title of my sermon is, Open, uh, Open My Eyes, Lord. There's a song that goes with that, Open My Eye, Lord, that, you know, Open My Ears, and you know, things like that, that we're able to hear and to see what, the, what God is speaking to us. The scripture that we have is Psalm 119, verses 17 and 18. It is, Be generous with me, and I'll live a full life. Not for a minute will I take my eyes off your road. Open my eyes so I can see what you show me of your miracle wonders. And then, in Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 40 through verse 56, and Jesus is uh, returning to Galilee. It says, On his return, Jesus was welcomed by a crowd. They were all there expecting him. A man came up, Jairus by name. He was president of the meeting place. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his home because his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, was dying. Jesus went with him, and making his way through the pushing, jostling crowd, excuse me, I have a couple of pages here, making his way through the pushing, jostling crowd, in the crowd that day was a woman who for 12 years had been afflicted with hemorrhages. She had spent every penny she had on the doctor, but no one had been able to help her. She slipped in from behind and touched the edge of Jesus' robe. And that very moment, her hemorrhaging stopped. Jesus said, Who touched me? When no one stepped forward, Peter said, Master, we've got crowds of people on our hands. Dozens have touched you. Jesus insisted, Someone touched me. I felt power discharged from me. When the woman realized that she couldn't remain hidden, she, kept, she knelt trembling before him. In front of all the people, she blurted out her story, why she touched him, and how at the same moment she was healed. Jesus said, Daughter, you took a risk trusting me, and now you're healed, whole, live well, live blessed. While he was still talking, Someone from the leader's house came up and told him, Your daughter died, no need now to bother the teacher. Jesus overheard and said, Don't be upset, just trust me and everything will be all right. Going into the house, he wouldn't let anyone enter in with him except Peter, James, and John, and the child's parents. Everyone was crying and carrying on over her, and Jesus said, Don't cry, she didn't die, she's sleeping. They laughed at him. They knew she, was, she had died, and they knew she was dead. Then Jesus, gripping her hand, called, My daughter, my dear child, get up. She was up in an instant, up and breathing again. He told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were ecstatic. But Jesus warned them to keep quiet, not to, don't tell a soul what happened in this room. You know, whenever we think of this characteristic of not telling, or opening our eyes, we'll start with that one. Opening our eyes, there are so many things that we don't see. Now, I, I know I've spoken on this whole concept a, a couple of times, you know. There are a lot of topics, it's been our topic for a few weeks, of reminding us that there are things going on around us and we only see portions of them, or we only see a reflection of them. And we don't see them completely. So I asked Jose to find me a couple of pictures that will show us one thing or another. So what do you see? Which, what, what color? What's that? Yellow. 
<laughs> Which way are they pointing? <laughs> that way. <laughs> Do you see them? Uh, okay, there's, now at first you only see, you know, it's like the, this one, when I first saw it, I saw the green arrows, and now you see the yellow arrows, and whenever you focus on a color, you see a different direction. What's that? John Deere colors, yeah. yeah so that was the importance there, the importance of that. But, and again, it's obvious, isn't it? As you look at it, you see different things. You know, you see different uh, directions, all right? So if you, see, you focus on one color, you see something. Well, we focus, we see. Okay, go ahead. What do we have here? <laughs> well, Both. <laughs> <laughs> so you see a vase, or you see two faces. Yeah, so, but there's a vase in the picture. And, and again, the challenge is that we, there's something we see initially, and then there's something else in the picture. And, and, we, and again, this happens all the time. In our everyday life, in everyday situations, we see things a certain way, but it doesn't necessarily mean we see the entire picture, and they're, they're very obvious. Next one. This one's a little more difficult. <clears throat> what is it? It's a cherry tree. <laughs> it's a woman. It's a woman walking away. Or George Washington. <laughs> or it's a face. How many see both? How many don't see anything? You know, this guy's too far away. You need glasses. So, um, yeah, you see the city and the light, is, but, okay, does everybody see it? The big tree. The big tree? There's a tree, but then that, there's a nose and a face and a mouth and a woman walking away, but the woman walking away is actually his nose, and everybody see that? Yeah, so, but, uh, <clears throat> and the next one, <laughs> what's that? It's an iceberg. <laughs> but the, here, uh, only one-ninth is visible. Nine-tenths is beneath the surface. So whenever we are approaching our life and we are telling, we're asking God, open our eyes that we can see, what are we asking for? What are we asking for? We're asking God to reveal to us what the scriptures are saying to us, and many times <laughs> we only see parts of what God is doing. We only understand concepts and not the whole picture. And, and the more we know, the more we realize there is to know. It's just like I, was, I, I looked up uh, icebergs on, uh, in the internet, and you know some, people, some of them are... Like three, the smallest ones, you know, they, they're just like little blocks of ice. They're 3.3 feet out of the water. And some of them were 246 feet above sea level. <laughs> so you saw 246 feet above how much of nine-tenths of that was below the surface. Um, the largest one was 551 feet above sea level. And the, but the largest mass of ice was 183 by 23 miles. That's an iceberg. <laughs> and an iceberg is basically fresh water that has frozen and then broken off and going into the ocean. 
So whenever we are looking at the scriptures and we're saying, like the psalmist says here in, verse, in, in Psalm 119, be generous with me and I'll live a full life. Not for a minute while I take my eyes off your road. So we've got this declaration that we're going to be looking at God and we're going to be focused on God and God is going to be directing us on our road. And he says, open my eyes so I can see what you show me of your miracle wonders. The miracle wonders of God take place in our life every day. God is with us. God is there showing to us what he is doing, how his word is being applied to our lives. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, it was, I, I thought it was a very important lesson because we were speaking about the, um, what were we speaking about? God's attributes. And whenever we think of the attributes, it's God's character. And God, once we, when we understand the character, then we begin to understand the promises and the scriptures and, and why when God says he loves us, um, that why does God love us? It's because it's his nature, it's his character. Whenever we say that God is faithful, it's impossible for God not to be faithful to us because that's his character. Whenever we would think that we are alone, it's impossible for us to be alone because God can never leave us nor forsake us. That's his character. He's everywhere present at the same point, at the same time. So whenever we, you know, we look at these, they're not just isolated promises given to us. They are the character of God, and these promises in the Scriptures reveal to us what that character is, who that character is, and what the qualities of God are. Just like as we looked at those arrows, you know, we focused on one color, they were all going in one direction. But you saw the other color, they had, the direction immediately shift. So in our lives, we want to understand what the character of God is, the quality of God is. Open my eyes, Lord. Show me what your miracle, show me your miracle wonders. And in our text today, we have two stories interwoven that Jesus is, um, came, he came across the Sea of Galilee. On one side of the Sea of Galilee is this miracle that he performs with this wild man of the tombs. And the people of, of Gerizak, or whatever, I forget how you pronounce it, but anyhow, Gerizak, the Geridians, 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 we'll call them Geridians. Anyhow, they are, they've asked Jesus to leave. They don't want him on their side of the, of the sea. They want him to leave because of um, what he has done in the, the healing of this, this wild man of the tombs and the... And anyhow, they ask him to leave. That's, that's another story for another day. So when Jesus comes across the sea, the Sea of Galilee, when he gets across the other sea, there is this whole crowd, and they're expecting him to come. They want him to be there. And that's where we are in our lesson today or in our scripture today in Luke chapter 8. On his return, Jesus was welcomed by a crowd. They were all, they were all, they were all there expecting him. So Jesus has arrived, and now everybody's excited to see him. What a different perspective from just a few miles away from across the sea. A man came up to him, Jairus by name. He was president of the meeting place. Well, he was the leader of the local synagogue. And he was there, and he had a problem. He had a you know, very real problem. He, was, um, he fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to see to his home 
because his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, was dying. Now, there's different stories. and I mean, we have people approaching Jesus in different ways. In, in another, I thought of this, this, the centurion who was ruler, you know, a Roman soldier who was ruler over 100 um, soldiers. And he said, my daughter's, you know, in another situation, he said, my daughter's sick, but you don't need to come. You just say the word and my daughter will be healed. Okay? In this situation, Jairus says, Jesus, you've got to come to my house. Now, Jesus doesn't say, well, you know, you don't have the faith of Jairus. You know, you don't have, Jairus, you don't have the faith of the Roman soldier. If you'd had that much faith, I wouldn't even need to go to your daughter to talk to your daughter to raise her. But you see, Jesus doesn't put anybody down. Only the only people Jesus has conflict with is really the religious people who try to put him in a corner in a box and, and say, this is God and this is how God's supposed to do things. And he has a problem with them because they're always trying to get him to, to fit into th- these religious leaders are always trying to make Jesus fit into their concepts. And Jesus is saying, no, you've got to understand who I am. And in this case, the ruler of the synagogue, his daughter is dying and Jesus went with them, making his room to the crowd. So, um, have you ever been to concerts? <laughs> Big groups of crowds of people. And everybody's apologetic. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, oh, I didn't mean to bump into you. I didn't mean, <laughs> no, right. Yeah, <laughs> they're, in, you know, they're jostling you for space. You know, they, they are, they are you, you are in a crowd and you are being pushed and shoved and you're just going along and, and whatever. Well, this is what I picture the crowd here with Jesus. There's just so many people and the disciples are crowded around Jesus trying to protect him from the push of people. So there is this crowd around Jesus, and they're trying, and, and they're, they want to touch him, they want to hear him, they want to, you know, they want to hear what this guy has to say, and they're all excited. Well, in the crowd, there was a woman who for 12 years who had been afflicted with hemorrhaging. Now, she had had a bleeding disorder, and in our day, she had probably an individual who would be uh, eligible for uh, a DNC or for a hysterectomy or something like that, that she would have to go through these surgeries in order to be um, fixed, as it were, uh, of her condition. But there was no such surgeries at that time. So this, this disorder that she had was very restricting to her. Because the law said because she had this disorder, she was not allowed in public places. She was not allowed in public places, and so her restrictions on her life were, were great. And it also says that she had spent every penny on doctors, but no one was able to help her. So she tried everything that she could to rid herself of this, to cure this illness, to cure this uh, condition, but she couldn't do it. Now, I can only imagine that people that have bleeding disorders, they are very weak, frail. And she'd had this disorder for over 12 years. And so it says that she had slipped in from behind to t- and touched the edge of Jesus' robe. Now, the last thing you want to do 
when you're in a crowd is beyond your hands and knees. <laughs> you know, people have been trampled in Walmart for less <laughs> on Black Friday, <laughs> which is the Friday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> and people have been trampled and knocked over in crowds because they've ended up on their hands and knees. And so here is this woman who we don't know how, well, if you're going to touch the hem of somebody's garment, if you're going to touch the bottom of Jesus' robe, you have to be on the ground. You're not walking up there, excuse me, I have to bend over here, you know. She's got to be on the ground and probably being trampled, <laughs> and she's a woman, she has no place being there anyhow, because her place is out of the crowd, and the men are there because of the customs. And she has this bleeding disorder, so she shouldn't be in this crowd anyhow. She's not to be around people. So here she is having to go through these difficulties of pushing through the crowd. And I remember years ago, I, approached, I, 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 I preached on this sermon, preached this message in it, and I talked about how that the, the crowds of doubt come into our lives. They crowd into our lives and how that we have to push through them, and how that we have to... Well, here in this situation, I, I look at it that she had to have been on the ground, and perhaps she was being trampled. I don't know. It doesn't say. It just says that when she touched, she slipped in from behind and touched the edge of the robe of Jesus. She had to fight her way through to get there. And probably the only way she could fight her way through was not shoulder to shoulder, but was on her knees and trying to work her way through this group of people. She touched the edge of his robe. And at that very moment, the hemorrhaging stopped and Jesus, her hemorrhaging stopped and Jesus said, who touched me? There's a difference in how people touch Jesus. There's a difference. You see, there's, there's a whole crowd of people around Christ, but there, is, there are certain times in our life that it's, it's a desperation. It's a desperate point in which we are looking for change, we desire change, and, you know, just hearing the Word of God, like we are here today, hearing the Word of God, these, the hearing of God's Word brings change in our life. Whether we realize it or not, it is causing us to have faith. It's causing us to understand from a different perspective. And so God is there working in our lives. And Jesus, you know, his disciples is basically saying, they said here, well, when, when no one stepped forward, Peter said, Master, we've got crowds of people on our hands. Dozens have touched you. It's like, Jesus, you're nuts. <laughs> Everybody's touching you. But there's a difference between the curious and the desperate. There's a difference between the curious onlookers, the curious crowd. They're, you know, they're the ones who, the curious are the people when things really go wrong. You know what? I prayed once and it didn't work. You know, heard people tell that one. I've prayed and nothing worked. Well, you know, we've tried God and it didn't work very well. Well, this is, those are the curious, and there were a lot of people who were curious in the crowd, but this one says that something happened. 
47. Well, virtue, I want to talk about that. Virtue flew from, uh, flowed out from Jesus. You see, in this chapter, in the first verses, in Luke chapter 8, verses, beginning at verse 8, Jesus is talking about the, the seed. We've, we've spoken on this probably about six months ago, I believe. It says, this is the seed that is sown. And the seed that is sown says here, are you listening to this? Really listening? His disciples asked, well, why did you tell us this story? He said, you've been given insight into the God's kingdom. You know how it works. There are others who need stories, but even with stories, some of them aren't going to get it. Their eyes are not open. Excuse me. Their eyes are open, but they don't see a thing. Their ears are open, but they don't hear a thing. What do we speak of in the psalmist? Open my eyes so I can see what you show me of your miracle wonders. You see, the story is about some of the people. The seed is the word of God. The seeds on the road are those who hear the word, but no sooner do they hear it than the devil snatches it from, and they don't, and they won't believe and be saved. Seed comes into our life. The word of God is seed planted in our life. We see in the crowd of people, there are people touching Jesus, and nothing really changes in their life. It's kind of like the people here in this seed on the road. Some of them, they're the ones off in the distance that we spoke about um, when Jesus called Lazarus from the dead. There are religious leaders who say, you know what? We've got to kill Jesus now. He's just too powerful. The seed is on the road and snatched immediately from them. The seed in the gravel, those who hear with enthusiasm, but with enthusiasm doesn't go very deep and it's only a fad. Verse 14, and the seed that fell in the weeds, <laughs> these are the ones who hear, but then the seed in, 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 is crowded out and nothing comes of it. Crowded out. Hearing Jesus, touching him, but nothing really changes. And then, of course, verse 15, but the seed on the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. That's the woman who's on her knees, sticking with it until she touches the hem of Jesus. She doesn't know what's going to happen, but she knows she has to touch him. Jairus, his daughter is sick. I don't know what's going to happen, but he needs to come to my house. You see, these are the challenges that, that come to our life, and every time we hear the word of God, it presents an option for us. It presents a challenge for us. And yes, it's, it's not e and sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's not easy to believe, and sometimes it's not easy to fight through the doubts and, 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 the, and the problems and, and the discouraging thoughts that come. Sometimes it's hard to break through those doubts that surround our faith. And we have to, as it were, get on our knees, our hands and knees, and reach out and touch him. And whenever we touch Jesus, there is a virtue. There is the, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are his daughter, his son, 
We are his child. And that's how that God works in our life. There's this virtue that flows into our life that there is hope there that wasn't there before. Now, the, the needs are not the same. We don't have, the, as it were here, the death of a child, or we don't have this illness where she is bleeding to death at a slow pace. But there are problems in our life, whether they're tragic or ongoing, there are, there are needs in our life that we need to touch Jesus and allow the virtue of who he is and of his character and of his word to flow into our life and we change. Here it says, the woman realized, verse 47, that she couldn't remain hidden. She, and so Jesus made her, come, as it were, come forward. It was important for her to stand out in the crowd. She knelt trembling before him. In front of all the people, she blurted out her story. They could have stoned her for this, being there in a public place with her condition. She's talked why, she spoke about why she touched him and how at the moment that she touched him that she was healed. You see, Jesus wanted to affirm to her and to all of them. She isn't the center stage here. Her need is not the center stage here. Jesus is. And it wasn't his robe that, touched, that made her well. It was virtue that flowed through Christ because of her faith. You see, that's why we don't, I, I liked what, many things that uh, the missionary said last, last week, but I liked how he used the illustration that in olden times, whenever they made their idols, they believed that there was virtue or power in the idol. And if they touched or had the idol, it, it touched them. But the idols were pieces of stone and wood. <laughs> there was no life in them. The life is in Jesus. And when we pray and we touch him, things change in our life. Virtue flows to us from Christ. Why? Because he's alive. So it wasn't, it wasn't the robe. It was her faith. And it wasn't, it was Christ that touched her. It wasn't the, the need or she wasn't center stage. Jesus is. Jesus said, daughter, <laughs> you took a risk trusting me. And now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed. <laughs> See, God, was, God has a way of blessing us whenever we have this touch in our life. But immediately, something else happens. And these two miracles are interwoven here. And while he was still talking, while he's still telling her about the wonderful things of live well and be blessed and all those things, while he's still talking, someone from the leader's house came up and told him, your daughter has died. There's no need to bother the teacher. And Jesus overhead and overheard and said, don't be upset. Just trust me and everything will be all right. What is Jesus doing? He is affirming the faith that brought the man to him in the first place. 
Don't look at the circumstance. You see, just like the woman, you know, it's, it's interesting how that these, these two miracles are interwoven because it would be easy for people to become distracted or, or pushed aside. It would be easy for her to be tr- pushed aside because of the crowd, and it would be easy for Jairus to stop the need. There's no need now. Your daughter has died. So there are many reasons why we should stop our faith. There's many reasons why we should stop believing or stop thinking the way we do. But it's not going to happen. Jesus said, don't pay attention to what they're telling you. Just trust me and everything will be all right. (laughs) Iceberg. (laughs) One, what is it, one-tenth? One-tenth is what we see. Nine-tenths is underneath. In our life, there's just a small portion of what we see is really the value of what is going on. So here, you would think, well, this is the whole iceberg. Your daughter, you know, the the problem is over. Your daughter has gone. Jesus said, no, no, that's that's not it. So what did Jesus do? Going into the house, he wouldn't let anyone enter with him except Peter, James, and John and the child's parents. You see, we have to shut out the doubts, the naysayers. We have to shut out the people, the crowd, the crowd that is there, the curious ones, the people who are telling you, well, what do you believe in God for? What, what you, you've been good. Why, why does this happen in your life? Don't get worried about this stuff. Be focused on what the promise of God is that brings you to that place that brings you to a place where God is speaking, where virtue has, flow, has come into your life and given you hope. Focus on that. Shut out the people who are, and who are the people Jesus shuts out? Everyone was crying and carrying on over her, and Jesus says, don't cry. She didn't die, she's sleeping. They laughed at him. <laughs> they laughed at his words. In our life, people laugh at our faith. Sometimes people laugh at the things that give us our greatest strength. So what happened? Jesus, gripping her hand, called her, says, my dear child, get up. She was up in an instant, up and breathing again. You see, the seeds of faith that fall into our life are seeds that bring and sprout life. We need to keep on allowing God to work in us. Keep allowing God to work in our lives. And no matter what happens, we shut out the doubts, push through the crowds, and as it were, be on our knees and touching him. Now, there's an interesting thing, and we close with this. He told them to give her something to eat. That was a good part. (laughs) Her parents were ecstatic, but Jesus warned them to keep quiet. Don't tell a soul what has happened in this room. Why would he do this? People began to focus on Jesus as simply the miracle worker. It is, it is not, and we think about all the things that we prayed for today in the people. It isn't the miracles that change people's lives. It's the word of God that changes our lives. If God's word doesn't change us, a miracle won't change a thing. Because 
once, when we are too soon, we too soon forget the good things that God has done for us. We are quick forgetters because if we're fed today by God, tomorrow we're going to be hungry again. We want him to do it all over again. And we always want these signs and wonders. And they're good, and they do follow God. They do follow his word, but they follow his word. The word creates our faith. The word of God changes us, challenges us, remolds our thinking. Because if it were only the miraculous, well, we'd say if God performed a miracle, everyone would believe. Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, and they said, we got to kill him. He raises this daughter from the dead. But they don't, they don't, you know, does everything change? No. The woman who had the issue of blood, did all those people believe? All of them become converts? No, they had needs. But it was the word of God that changes our life from the inside out. It is the word of God that comes to us. It's that virtue that flows into our life that gives us hope. You see, the truth is more than he wanted people. To, the truth is more than just the miracle. He wanted people to listen to his words, that the word that they would, that the word would heal their broken spirit, give them hope, and help them in their daily lives. That God is with me; He will never leave me nor forsake me. These are the characters of God, the characteristic of God. And that character surrounds us, holds us, and gives us life. Shall we stand? (laughs) There was an illustration that went with this. It said that when the child's life was gone, it was that the light of the candle had gone out. But you see, life doesn't go out. (laughs) Life is never extinguished. Your life will never go out. Your life will live on for an eternity. What happened was, Jesus brought the light back to the candle. He brought the flame back to the candle. In our life, the candle never, the light never disappears. Our life, when it is over, goes to be with God. And in this life, it is the word of God that continues to be the fuel of our life that gives us hope and gives us life that is eternal. And the word of God, not the miraculous, and God does perform the miraculous, but it is the word of God that brings virtue to our life and it's in that virtue that we have hope. So when we're on our hands and knees and we touch the very hem of his garment, virtue flows to us, makes everything different. Father, thank you for your virtue that touches our life. Thank you for the virtue that flows to us through your word through your people, by your spirit, you touch us. We ask God your blessing to be with us now. 
and your virtue to flow to us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>